Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hey guys, happy Wednesday. Hey guys, happy Wednesday. And boy, do we have a show for you. Yes. First up, we are chatting with author and now director Amy Kopelman about her new film, A Mouthful of Air, out in theaters now, and it deals with postpartum depression, and I think it's something every mother out there is going to be able to relate to, so stick around for that. And we have Hot Goss. It's been a while, guys. Oh, God, my heart has been yearning for some Hot Goss. As always, we have our hashtag swag bag, and up next, take it away, child. The tits and the shits. Do you want to go first with tits and shits, care? Sure, yes. All right. So, tits. My tits are yesterday. I had a mommy no child day in Brooklyn, Ooh. New York, where I got my hair cut. I got my lashes and my brows done. I hung out with some friends. And it just made me feel like a human being. And I just just love when I get those days. And also, like, so good to see my old neighborhood again. And it was just nice. I got to tell you, I've been looking at you while we've been recording. And you look really good. I'm sorry I didn't say anything earlier. Thank you. I got a haircut. I got my brows and lashes done. Laura Kaiser, you're the bomb.com. <laughs> the shits are this week is insanely crazy. Yep. I've got Lee's family coming in to stay with us because it's Luna's birthday and Halloween. Just the sister or the whole family? A sister and her girl. Okay. And people coming for Luna's birthday. I've got Luna's school birthday party. I've got our block party, which we're very excited about because we just moved here and we want to meet the neighbors all outside. It'll be really nice. And we've got stuff for the show and there's editing. And it's just like every minute of my day is scheduled this week. Yeah. And I'm just like trying to check things off as I go. So that's my shits. It's just so much to do. My shits are... I mean, last week I had to take Sebastian to the doctor three times, once for a flu shot, then two days later because he was suddenly sick. We don't know if because of the flu shot or not. And then she thought she saw a lot of fluid in his ear, so I had to bring him back to check on that, which everything ended up being fine. But because it started with the flu shot, every time we went and, you know, they take the thing to look in the ear with the light, that very non-invasive procedure they do all the time. I had to literally restrain my child three times, my legs wrapped around him, my arms wrapped around him, holding him while he moves around. And it just felt terrible. It's just like really horrible. Like I couldn't do anything to comfort him and calm him down. I literally had to hold him down like he was a psychiatric patient and oh that's the worst feeling I said a joke to the doctor and said like well I guess I need a Xanax after that one and now Sebastian jokes around and says to people I I need a Xanax so there's that (laughs) that's both a tit and a shit tits 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know. There's nothing really terrible happening. I'm excited for this kick-ass week. I think you and I collectively have had, a, you know, a couple of really great weeks. And I'm excited to see where this week goes. We're going to go see Cat and Nat live, which should be interesting. Neither one of us is really sure what to expect. And we're going to get a night at a hotel. Just woo, woo. the two of us. To watch just yes, the two we're of just us. gonna watch bad TV and drink some alcohol and joke around, and then I'm gonna hit Carrie repeatedly throughout the night while she snores. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm excited for it. I think it's gonna be a good one. You'll hear some interesting tits and shits next week, I'm sure, after our yeah girls' night out. Yes. Also, why are gray hairs? Like, oh my god, so I pulled. Wiry? Like, they just stick out. I pulled two gray hairs from my temples that I could not tell if they were a part of my cheek or a part of my hair. I have one that grows on my cheek right here and one on my neck. I pulled them because I was like, uh, the fact that I don't know means it just needs to go. Hey, guys listening, where's your weird long blonde hair? Let us know. <laughs> Contact us at Montrage, 201-677-2428. Please include a picture. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's chat with Amy Copelman. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's guest is a writer, director, producer, wife, and mother of two. Her writing has appeared in the New York Observer, and she's the author of the novels I Smile Back and Hesitation Wounds. But we are chatting with her today about her new film, A Mouthful of Air, starring Amanda Seyfried, which she directed and wrote both the script and novel for, which is out now. Welcome, Amy Copelman. Hi, Amy. Thank you guys for having me. Oh my God, thanks for coming on. All right, so we'll just get right into it. I watched the movie yesterday. It shook me to my core. Beautiful performances all around. You did a wonderful job with, I mean, everything that you did. So the film and the novel are both about something very important and near and dear to our hearts on the show and as mothers, which is postpartum depression. How did you come to write this incredibly important novel and now film? I wrote the novel 20 years ago, actually. My son's almost 26 and my daughter's 21. So in retrospect, I understand that I was writing through the fear of what if I hadn't gotten the help that I needed? What would have happened? At the time, I didn't know that. At the time, I just knew I was writing about a woman who felt an overwhelming sense of shame. And I knew I was trying to understand how this character could love life, love her children, love her husband, see all the beauty in the world. You know, every flower, every blue sky, every brave action that humans take every day when we continue to march forward and still believe that um, the best thing for her children would be for her to live in the world without her. And I wanted to understand why that was. Although fiction, you did go through postpartum depression yourself, and I did as well. And so many women do. You know, for me, it didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. Because, you know, postpartum now, we have a name and a face for it, sort of. But it comes in so many different varying colors and degrees and all of that. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience and how it was maybe a little bit different from Julie's in the film? 
Well, I mean, we never used the word postpartum depression 20 years ago. I remember the first time I saw the word, I had finished writing the second to last scene in the book and my fingers jumped off the keyboard. The book has a slightly different ending. (laughs) The book has a darker ending. And I remember typing into Ask Jeeves, can a mother hurt her child? Oh, wow. That dates it quite a bit. And a rudimentary website came on and it was like this flapping butterfly. And it was a note though, from a mother to her daughter who had killed herself. And in that note was the first time I saw the words postpartum depression. And I realized, oh, this is its own thing, separate and apart. I mean, I'm somebody who had a history of depression. So I thought the way that I was feeling must have been, it was just like the regular kind of gauziness. Me too. But what was different was this panic of if I turned away, if I looked away for one second, what was going to happen? You know, I remember thinking if I could only get like toothpicks in my eyes and like hold my eyes like this open, then I could stay awake and just keep watching him, keep watching him, keep watching him. Because I was just, you know, petrified. I would take any painting that hung above the crib and I would take it off every night and put it on every day because I started to see danger everywhere. Yeah, I got like a little agoraphobic, weirdly, because I think I just, some animal instinct in me, like truly was like, hide because there's danger everywhere. And so I just didn't really want to leave my home at all. To this day there, and I I don't know what this is, but I know it's tied to becoming a mother. And there are certainly things that are scary to me now that never, like flying. I never loved flying. I hate it. It is a terrifying thing being in a car in a certain way. And it's all tied to my kid. I can't make the connection, but it's there and it's very scary for me. I don't know what that is, but something clicks, you know, aside from postpartum, just generally. That's what Amanda and I have been talking about a lot. And I almost don't like using the word postpartum because it applies. This feeling applies to every mother. I think when you have postpartum depression, your ability to gauge the reality, it just gets skewed and you can't like turn down the volume. But no one tells you how scary it is to become a mom. No, they don't tell you that when you're in breathing, birthing class. No one talks about it in parenting group or few people talk about it. And people do talk about it more now. But you know, you give birth to this child and it's this little tiny baby and it looks at you like you have all the answers and it's your job to protect them. And, you know, unless you're a sociopath, that is impossible to protect them. Right. And so this responsibility is enormous. And of course, it makes us all feel scared to varying degrees. I was in a coffee shop before COVID and I saw these young moms and they had their little kids and they were talking about screen time you know, what they feed their kids. And I remember listening to this as I was waiting online and I, part of me wanted to go over and be like, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. You let them watch two hours of Sesame Street, nothing bad's going to happen. Oreo cookies, that's never been the thing that drives people to heroin. (laughs) But when I had this realization that we almost need these things, these guidelines, we tell ourselves these rules because it gives us like- A false sense of safety, yeah. And so it's like, well, if we only give them one hour of screen time, if we only give them organic cookies, if we, if we, if we, and so we come up with these ideas of what makes a good mother. And then we live within, you know, the confines of those ideas. And I think it's, we do it to give us some sense of safety in the sense that like we have some control over it. And so I understood for the first time, oh, That's what that is. And I understood the difference between a healthy person and an unhealthy person with those rules. I have to say, you know, I don't know if I fully had postpartum. I know it was something going into having a child that I was very scared would happen. And those scenes at the beginning of the film with the way Amanda was looking at the baby, 
I just was blown away. The way she was looking at the baby and kissing the baby and you could see all the love in her eyes, but you could also see fear and loneliness and isolation. I just, it was beautifully done. Can you believe her performance? Her performance is outstanding. It it really truly is. That was a 45 minute take. I never called cut. I would say you could just watch the whole 16 minutes from where she starts that scene and where she ends. And it's all there on tape. I mean, I had to cut it because I couldn't be indulgent and play it all. But it was really hard because she gave so much of herself. Like I hate when people say an actor's brave because firemen are brave. If an actor can be brave, this is an extraordinarily brave performance. It's that raw vulnerability that you're allowing in for a larger amount of people. And she's doing that the whole time with a real baby. So I want to shift gears to the book for a second. I read somewhere that it was incredibly difficult for you to get the book published, which is kind of crazy to me because there are tons of quote unquote dark books that have been published throughout time. What do you think that it was about a mouthful of air that was hard for publishers to swallow? Do you think it was because it was a woman's issue, because it dealt with child rearing? What do you think that was? Well, the first line of gatekeepers that was impossible to get past were the agents. They thought it was too dark and there wasn't an audience for it. And I really did submit to every single agent in New York City. Like, I'm not joking. We get self-addressed stamped envelopes sent back to me because, see, I'm dating myself again. (laughs) And I remember being on the elevator with my husband at one point going, like, we don't need to open any of these because I knew if they're sending it back, it's like a polite rejection. You know, if they wanted to take me that they would call. And then finally, after a long time, like years, I found somebody named Amy Renner in San Francisco. But before I found her and before she took on the book, there was this one agent that said to me, all my life, I wanted to get into publishing just to publish a book like this, but it's too dark and it's too depressing and I can't and I'm sorry. And I said, okay. And then Andrea Yates killed her children. And this was the first time that like postpartum depression was on the cover of Time and people were really talking about it. And I remember calling her back and saying, look, see, this is a real thing. And she said, oh no, now you'll never, you'll never get it published. And then Amy Renner got it. And then she gave it to a small press in San Francisco called McAdam Cage. And Pat Walsh, the editor there, understood it and believed in it, and they published it. The one thing you're not allowed, motherhood is still a third rail of something that you can talk about. So in my last book, you know, there's two things. This idea that, you know, women still really can't be sexual yeah. unless they have to be, yeah. right? Like because they have a mean husband or... He left you for the babysitter, so now you can... Right. Yeah. It's like a reaction yeah. thing. And I think this idea of not naturally just being a great mom, it just being part of yeah. you, I think you can't say that because I think it really scares people. Yep. And I think we as women, we judge ourselves as based on that. And we have to forgive ourselves for that. But the whole voice of depression, when it's talking to you, the last thing it's going to do is let you forgive yourself. So, you know, you're at odds with yourself. I mean, in society, it's even like if a woman doesn't want to have kids, she's viewed as like not being biologically correct. What's what's wrong with her? Right. You know, and that just, there's so many things about what is a woman and what is a woman allowed to be and what should she be ashamed of? And I think us as women can help each other forgive ourselves if we make allowances for the other person because we're all also judgmental right in our own ways so that right there is essentially what we try to do on our show and we you know with humor and levity you know talk about how sometimes we don't really like being moms and that's okay like and that doesn't make you a bad mom no it's okay and and that being said 
there's still plenty of times where I'm at home not recording a podcast, not talking to Carrie, and I'm like, I'm a terrible mother. I'm a horrible mother. And a woman can't not be able to take care of her children. Those are like the two things, like being an obedient woman and taking care of your children and being totally fine and having no desires of need to escape, having no issues or fears raising a child. That's what is expected of women. And it's not fair because in terms of just sticking to a mouthful of air, you know, Julie loved her children. That was so important to me to show. And it was important to me to show depression, not as a dark emo way, the way it's often showed. I wanted you to see the beauty that she saw because that is often what depression looks like. For me, I always picture that little yellow flower that comes through the ice every spring and how it just like pops its little head up and it crushes me every time, the little strength in that flower, the hope in that. And when we're bored and we're around like three years old or four years old, and you realize like every single person you love, you're going to have to say goodbye to. The fact that we all don't run into traffic is a miracle because the pain in that is of that inevitable goodbye. That's what always crushed me, like the fleeting beauty of life. Yeah. I mean, I had that fear when I had a baby. I had a baby later in life and I waited a really long time because I was like, I don't think I'm strong enough to deal if something happens to my child. Like, I just don't think I have it in me to deal with something happening to my baby. Nobody yeah. has that in them. Yeah. One of my closest friends had that experience and she's extraordinarily brave. And that's not something that you can ever be prepared for. Yeah. So up until pretty recently, it was seen as shameful in the media. Like Tom Cruise's ran on the Today Show about Brooke Shields revealing that she was on antidepressants for her postpartum depression. And uh, that's the thing that immediately comes to mind. But what do you wish everyone knew about postpartum depression and the treatment for it? Because you know, it's people didn't even want to talk about it, let alone how to treat it for so long. I thought about making this into a movie. And then I was driving down the West Side Highway around five years ago and a mother, I must have been listening to doctor's radio and a mother called in. She was leaning over her ironing board or something. I remember an ironing board and she was crying and she was describing how she was feeling. And they told her, you have postpartum depression. You should speak to your doctor. You should speak to your husband. You should speak to your priest you know, speak to somebody. And she kept saying, no, it's too shameful. No, it's too shameful. And I thought, oh, I thought everybody knew about this now because, you know, movie stars had spoken yeah. about it. And um, that's when I thought, okay, well, maybe if I work really hard, I can figure out how to make this a movie because people watch movies. My goal then and my goal with Amanda was to somehow explain to people that depression is no different than asthma or diabetes. Yep. You know, if you went to the park with your child and you put your child on the swing and you were having an asthma attack, you would whip out an inhaler. You wouldn't think twice. You wouldn't think you were a bad mom. You would think, oh, I'm, I'm having a hard time breathing. I'm going to take my medicine and then I'm going to play with my child and push them on the swing. But when you have depression and you're in the park and there's the gauziness between you and your child, you're scared the chains are going to fall off the swing. You know, you're scared the man over 200 feet away is going to come and, and snatch your child. You don't look at that as an illness, that level of anxiety. And so you don't allow yourself to get the help for it often. So we just thought if we could get people to realize that they can go to the doctor, they can get help. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying everybody needs medication, but medication saved my life. If you're somebody, postpartum depression can be a one-off, right? Like you could be somebody who's never experienced depression before, and then this could happen to you and you, you would go on medication and then like a year later or however long your doctor says, you'd be able to go off medication and you'd be okay. It's the 
things that people think about antidepressant medication aren't really true. I remember I didn't start taking antidepressant medication until my son was like one and a half. And I remember at the time they were like, well, you know, you'll never be able to write anything if you take antidepressant medication. You'll be numb. You won't be able to feel anything. And all those things aren't true. You know, when you're very depressed, you're not writing anything anyway. You can barely get out of bed. There's not, you know, I couldn't even make coffee. And I remember when I started taking antidepressant medication, driving down the street and hearing a song and being able to cry, like to feel the song and cry and not be petrified that if I started crying, I wouldn't be able to stop crying. And so it made me be able to feel like a human being again, to feel like myself as if there was a trampoline under me. And if I was in free fall, something was going to catch me. I've got to tell you, you're talking to two medicated people, firstly. <laughs> what do you guys think? Uh, I'm on uh, Lexapro. <laughs> Okay. And I'm on Zoloft. Something about that I wanted to say, like I've been a long time. I have a part-time Xanax too, you know? <laughs> Yay! I'm scared of those. I'm a big non-believer in Xanax out of it yes. and Klonopin. That's a last ditch effort. Those are barely taken. It's, yes. it's when- That's when you're really in a- When the looping thoughts are so overwhelming and so scary and nothing can break it kind of thing, or I can't yes. sleep because yes. it's just overwhelming. Yeah. I just want to share that. So I've been a long time medicated. I have OCD and anxiety and all the other kind of stuff. And something that I didn't realize is that sometimes the medication that you're on prior to the baby, after you have the baby, will not work anymore or works in a different way. Your body chemistry changes. And so it's really important to check back in with your doctor because I had to switch medications after the baby because it just wasn't working in the same way. Listen, I was no longer lactose intolerant for months for almost a year after I had my baby. So if that can happen to your body, so can like a change in in medication needs and everything else. And, you know, I also wanted to say that I had a similar experience where I've considered going on medication for quite some time. And it wasn't until COVID happened and the election and everything just became way too much for me. And I was paralyzed by fear ongoing daily basis that I finally said, all right, let's give this a try. And I was so scared because I'm a performer my whole life that this was going to affect my ability to feel. And what you said resonated with me so much because it was like, no, I can actually feel on a bigger scope without the fear of feeling, if that makes any sense. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I do remember having this fear of like, I would start crying and not be able to stop. Yeah. And the amount of energy I must have spent just trying not to fall apart. <laughs> you know, the tricky thing about depression is it plays tricks on you. Like even now, about two weeks ago, we were going to the first screening with people in a movie theater because we had edited during COVID. And I turned to my husband and I said, did I have postpartum depression? And he said, what? Like, even now, there's part of me that goes, was I just not strong enough? Was I too spoiled? I was just weak. The symptoms of depression only reinforce yeah. the illness of depression. So you that becomes the self-loathing loop inside of your head. So I don't really know if I answered your question you properly. You did. 100% you did. Other thing that I've been thinking a lot about is that if you're an older mother, you have an older child and you see somebody at the supermarket or you see somebody, young mom alone, and you look at her, you know, if you're somebody who's had these feelings, yeah. just, just smile at her. Just say hi. If it's somebody that you know is really that you think has postpartum depression, ask them if they want to have coffee with you. It's more important to just tell them that they're not alone than to worry about hurting their feelings. There's ways that you can have those conversations. And I think if women just woman to woman, 
just like this movie, if we tell people to see this movie, hopefully little by little people will know about the movie and go and see it. And hopefully little by little people will change the narrative. We'll start asking people, you know, how are you? Yeah, because honestly, what they do after you have a baby, that mental, you know, now they do this mental check in of how are you feeling? You know, are you having any self-harming thoughts? Blah, blah. Like, oh, did they do that? Yeah, they do. But it's like a one page questionnaire. And honestly, firstly, like, when do you do it? Before you leave the hospital. Like, before you discharge. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And your first visit to the doctor. And you're like OBG. You're OB. Sorry. What state, what state do you live in? I'm in New Jersey. And I'm in New York. Because I think in New Jersey, that's part of the law that was passed. I'm forgetting the name of it. But it's not in every state, This that screening that you're talking about, the first visit screening. But there's an act, and I think it was passed in New Jersey. Honestly, I don't think it's enough. I mean, there are still people in the world that think things like therapy are shameful. They're embarrassed by it. They're ashamed by it. And yes, it's great that they're asking. But it's also like if I'm somebody who's scared to say something, especially if like I'm glad they do it, but I don't want to tell my OB that. And I just think it's important for moms to know. No, I mean, when you're really depressed, you could start, your thoughts become so crazy. Yes. You'd be like, wait, but if I tell them, will they take the baby away? Exactly. If I tell them, will I not be allowed? I mean, you're having all these thoughts and yet, you know, you're walking to the supermarket, you know, going about your business. But this fear of how kind of ugly and horrible you are on the inside, how incapable you are of being a good mom. Yes. It feels so frightening, this like beast inside of you. And what what will happen if you even tell a tiny bit to anybody how, you know, because imagine, you know, you say every night before my, my son goes to bed, I take the painting off the wall so that it doesn't miraculously somehow decide to jump off the three hooks fall on him. Right. The other day I was helping my son move into his apartment and he was like, should I put this painting above my bed? Because it would really look good here, but you've always made me very scared to have any painting above my bed. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. That's because I was just like, you know, so out of my mind your whole life. But no, but, you know, and he's like, when did that fear come? You know, when did I get that fear? And I was like, oh, that's definitely me. Yeah. <laughs> definitely a lingering thing for me. After I came out of my postpartum depression, I had a whole other view of my grandmother who um, is deceased. But my whole life, this narrative that my family has told about my grandmother, she's just a crazy person. Another other time. So they like put her away to get some rest at a facility. And then she came home. And when she came home, her sister, who was, it's an old Italian family. So her sister, who is not married, was now going to take care of the kids and lived in their home. And then my grandmother was going to go to work because it was, she was just better not being a mother and better being a worker, a work, a person who had their own. And her sister was now going to live in the house and take over watching the children. And this is the narrative that has just been told by my family for years and years and years. And I, have, I was always very close to that grandmother and I, it didn't make sense to me. And then I had my postpartum and I was just like, she had postpartum and they didn't know what to call it. And they put her in a mental institution and then they didn't let her take care of her children anymore. And it, it just made me incredibly sad. Yeah, and there, I think there is some protective thing that we must know that that fear exists because of stories like, you know, that we've been told as women. So yeah. in thinking about it, I had forgotten until you mentioned it, that I had a terrible, terrible fear that they would take Sam away from me. Yeah. I really told anybody how 
petrified and incapable I was of being a mom, they would just fucking take him away. Yeah. And that's terrifying. I hadn't thought about that till you mentioned it. I'm glad that you mentioned it. Oh, good. I'm sorry it brought up that terrible (laughs) feeling though. I know that. No, no, it's, it's good because I remember I had forgotten, but now I remember. And that is, that in and of itself was a symptom overwhelming fear that I would be judged if I said anything. Yeah. And I remember that everybody else looked very, very capable. And I didn't understand why everybody else knew how to cut fingernails and everybody else knew, you know. I still don't for the record. I like cut my, my, he's four and I cut him almost every single time. So just for the record. You'll have long nails. Yeah. Like we'll Um, deal with it. Bite them. Um, (laughs) I'm glad that you reminded me of that. I remember sitting on a rocking chair, rocking him and just being so scared that they would take him away from me. Yeah. Well, you know, if anyone out there who's listening, this feels close to home in any way and you're scared, see a therapist. Just talk to somebody, somebody that you have a conversation with that you feel is reliable. And I, I know that's, a hard thing to do, but I just want to give you the name of this organization. Oh, There's please. so many amazing organizations. Well, we know the Motherhood Center we we've worked with before. Right. There's this place called the Motherhood Center in New York. In New York City. She's amazing. Catherine Berndorf. Yeah. She's amazing. Yes, we've worked with her before. Really great. She's really amazing. She. So yeah, you should tell them that as a resource. We'll attach it in show notes. Yeah. They provide incredible services from like support groups to, I forget what else they do. They they have like. They'll find a way if you're not in New York, they'll find a way to get you there and do, because there's inpatient and outpatient right. treatment there yep. and groups. They'll help get you here or find you help wherever you are in the world. Yeah. When I wrote the book, that's when I met Catherine Berndorf. So like 18 years ago. Wow. And I remember once going and speaking to her, I think she'd given the book to her residence or something to try to show what it felt like to a depressed person. But she's done so much for maternal mental health. She's done, she's saved so many lives and helped so many people. I really admire her. And she's a very nice person too. She's a very nice Lovely. Amy, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so, so much. Can you plug the movie or anything else you'd like to plug in addition? It'd be great if you could go see the movie. Sony is putting it out in 817 theaters. That's 817 communities that we can get into and try to help women. So if you're able to go to the movies, that would be wonderful. I think the movie will mean something to all women. And I'd love to congratulate you on a beautiful film. I mean, you don't need that from me, but it no, really I, is I a beautiful, touching film. So well, I'm very, very nervous about people will perceive it because there's always haters out there. But True. then I think of that woman that I heard on the radio. And I mean, it sounds so corny, but I do think like, okay, maybe in some way, even if it's just one person that Amanda and I get to, who's living somewhere, you know, in the Midwest and doesn't know if we can help her and let her feel like a tiny bit seen, then I can get past all the naysayers. So it does mean a lot that you say that. (laughs) Well, I'm glad. I was an actor for many years and something that helped me is that as long as people feel something, then you've done your job. So even if they feel angry or disappointed or whatever, you've done your job. It's when people feel nothing that you have not done your job. That helps me. Yeah, that's good. I mean, honestly, I need the validation of a snail on the sidewalk sometimes. So like, I I totally understand. (laughs) Thank you you so much. Thank you. Everyone go see A Mouthful of Air in theaters. 
Are you ready for hot goss? Oh man, I am ready for hot goss. Let's do hot, hot goss. Oh God, let's just start with what I think is the most important, which is it all started with a blind item to do moi. And then it went to a sweaty TikToker. And then it went to a sweaty TikToker and all over the interwebs. But apparently, John Mulaney and Olivia Munn have broken up. And apparently, he cheated on her with somebody A-list. So, I mean, here's the deal. If you got with someone who cheated, they're going to cheat again. Also, he is fresh out of rehab. This is not a great time to settle down. Right. It's not It's not a great right. time. Yeah, no, not not a great time. Also, these choices he's making after rehab... Questionable. ...are not boding well for how he's doing after rehab, sadly. You know, I am such a weirdo that for me, I always think about, like, the PR aspect of these things and whether it's good PR, whether it's bad PR, how it could be handled to make, to spin it. It's just, like... The way my brain is wired. Everyone hates Olivia Munn. So I think him being with anyone else aside from her is better for his PR. I don't think you get out of this squeaky clean in any way for him. I think his choice, his picker was off. His wife was very much liked. Olivia Munn, very much not liked. Mom tries started following her TikTok, Anna. I saw and I saw her a couple of them this weekend. I know. I was like, oh, she's so cute. It's just not a good look. All right. Brian Laundry's. Wait, wait, wait. Who do you think the A-lister is? Do you have any theories? I thought Whitney Cummings, but then I was like, she's not an A-lister. Mm, that's interesting. I don't know why that's who came to mind. I guess because she's a comedian and she seems a little unstable. Maybe Angelina Jolie is doing it with John Mulaney no. and The weekend. No, no way. I don't know. I don't know who it is. Hmm. All right. Okay. Brian Laundrie's dad. I have so many feelings about this. I think he killed himself in front of his parents. His parents like collected the bones and then dropped them off, had them delivered or something to the park and then randomly found them. I have so many theories about this, but he's dead. You know, I think this case, I don't know if I've said this a zillion times in real life or ever on the show, but I think this case is going to go down in history in terms of how TikTok played a part in it yep. and how... It was very, like, amateur detective work from so many different people. And I just think it really clouded information for me. It got to a point where it was like, I didn't know up from down what was a true fact, what wasn't it. Like, I felt like I was on the wrong side of the election and I just was, like, believing everything that was being sent my way. So I don't know what I think. I mean, part of me believes he's not even dead. But then I'm like, that's illogical because I sent you that video about the guy who was like, the bones didn't even decompose in a way that is believable in that amount of time. Right. I don't know what I believe, but... I'll tell you, it's sad that he got off as easy as he did. And that we don't know the story. We don't yeah. know the whole thing. Like, her parents deserve more answers. And that the press has tried to spin Gabby Petito as mentally unstable and people that know Brian Laundry, Like, a lot of things. That's effed up. Yeah. That's effed up. Yeah. Don't talk ill of the dead. My grandmother always said that. And she's dead now. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on to something really fun. The book, I'm going to show you because I got it. The book, Not All Diamonds and Rosé, has come out. It is the inside story of The Real Housewives from the People Who Lived It by Dave Quinn. It is about 500 and something pages. It is a fat, <laughs> fat boy. It's a fatty wop book. It's a fatty wop. Macaroni in a pot. It is 
apparently filled with juice. You know, I read that other uh, housewives. Just like macaroni in a pot. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's filled with a lot of gossip. Unlike the other housewives book that I read that I really, really enjoyed, this is written in conjunction with Bravo. In fact, I'm friends with somebody who used to be like the head publicist at Bravo, and he is mentioned in the other book as having not cooperated with the author. This is actually published by Andy Cohen, this new book. So everything in here has been vetted by them, has been approved. They have lots to gain. And it has come out that Heather Thompson, formerly of Roni, said that she has helped Sonia every time that she's, you know, not every time, but many times when she was very drunk, she scraped her off of carpets. She has watched men put lit cigarettes into Sonia's vagina. And I just, aside from the automatic, like, huh? Uh, The second thing is, what are the logistics? Are we putting lit end in? Or is this like Thailand? Smoking from it. Ladyboy type thing where they're smoking. I mean, either way, it's bad. It's like, it's not good. But then Sonia Murray was like, here's my OnlyFans page. But from my understanding, she doesn't really do anything sexual on her OnlyFans. I I swear to God, I might pay to look at her OnlyFans just out of the sheer curiosity of like what content. Maybe that's your Christmas present. (laughs) But I don't really want it. I just need to know, is it, is she doing porn stuff or is she just like using it like a Patreon? I don't know. Anyway, it's interesting. But also in this book, apparently Carol Radzowell, if you guys remember the story about Tom, you know, D'Agostino cheating on Countess Luann and Luann going to Bethany's hotel room in Miami and she's and her saying, please don't be about Tom. And Bethany says it's about Tom. Apparently that was all staged and Luann didn't know, but Bethany very much was a part of staging that Tom cheated on her. So... We'll see. We'll see. I don't even want to talk about this one too much because it's just so incredibly tragic. It There's a lot to unpack. Alec Baldwin accidentally shot cinematographer and killed. And killed. Cinematographer and wounded assistant director. The director. On his film Rust. And it was because the prop gun was not a prop gun. It was a real gun with real bullets. And there's all this stuff back and forth about them cutting corners on the set. And the ammunition specialist previously in a podcast before the movie came out saying she couldn't believe she got the job. She didn't know if she was ready yet. And all the speculation about having guns given to people without the double checks and stuff. And And a lot of the union crew had resigned the night before because things were not being done in union procedure, which is problematic. There's a reason. Because Alec Baldwin is a producer on the film. So it's so sad that he has to live with the consequences of something so unintentional. You have to question the responsibility like a little bit. Yeah. Do we care about Lala and Randall from Vanderpump? No. Nope. Okay, I do, but I don't nope. think you do. They broke up. You know, it's a whole long-winded thing. But yes, they broke up. Listen, unless you've been living under a rock, new hot topic and scared <laughs> Halloween shopper, Kourtney <laughs> Kardashian, is engaged to Travis Barker. Her matte black nail polish is like working overtime these days. I'm just so sick of it. She's like, hey, Avril Lavigne, can I borrow some clothes? Yeah, like I like them and I like her and I think it's a nice couple whatever but like people that change themselves completely for someone it, that just makes me so nervous something's yeah like something's not right there like and it's such a like the change
changes in such a like teenager way where like you went away for summer and all of a sudden like Sally comes back to school goth. She like had her mom take her back to school shopping at Hot Topic and now she's the goth kid. That's kind of what this whole thing feels like. It's really weird. It also sort of feels like when her sister dated Kanye and started only dressing in what Kanye wanted to put her in. Well, but now she's wearing like the... Also, spirit Halloween, like, green man suits, but, like, in pink and black. I know. Maybe the new thing is that the Kardashians are going to come out with a collab with uh, Spirit Halloween. (laughs) Maybe they're sponsored by Spirit Halloween in 2022. Oh, my God. I'll have to ask my cousin Morgan because she's the buyer for Spirit. I'll be like, have the Kardashians reached out? Definitely. Yes. So I got to take this one. Remember like a week or two ago when I was like, I just need to talk about how Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly are driving me fucking crazy. Well, and you said, I think everyone feels that way. Yes. Apparently you were correct. I read this, Matt sent me this whole article about how cringe they are and like their top cringe hits and I just and her, his I am weed thing is because he's coming out with a weed line yes it's so gross also where are all these people's children I just want to ask that like Travis Barker is the one with adult children and we see them involved in all of this all the time Courtney's kids who she like they lived and died no. you know everything you don't see them no you haven't seen Megan Fox's kids I'm not surprised we haven't seen Machine Gun Kelly these kids but these women that have been such devout I run poosh I'm all about being a great mom and stuff where are your fucking kids right this is not I don't mean this to be judgmental it just seems weird that like do they not fit into the narrative of your life now well we do see that her daughter is also dressing in spirit Halloween who Courtney's yeah oh Penelope Penelope is full spirit Halloween now too she's doing the makeover as well okay so so she's a part of it great yeah great Mm -hmm, great mm -hmm. I mean, I guess she's tall enough that the spirit Halloween costumes fit her now. So they do make children's size, you know. Got it. Kate Beckinsdale's a genius. I have a really hard time believing that. I think she's straight up weirdo. She is. I mean, God bless. I don't know why you're not using it, but okay. <laughs> Are you using it to breed tiny cats and dogs? Is that what? <laughs> is that like your secret? Or maybe maybe you're a scientific genius and that's why you don't age. I don't know. But you're a weirdo. You're a straight freaking weirdo. I don't want to make fun of her genius thing because like I get what she's trying to say where it's like the press is eating me alive because they just can't handle that a woman is a genius. But once Again. I mean, Gina Davis, I get. I get the Gina Davis. I get that. I get it. But all you post on Instagram is you making your cat do weird shit and like date you dated Pete Davidson. Like none of the moves you have made seem are smart. <laughs> You're the stupidest smart person I've ever seen. Like none of these see you do seem highly sedated and no judgment there. That does seem to be the truth. Maybe she's sedated on all of her smart. She's like, I'm so smart. I just blank out. I'm thinking of a Pythagorean theorem and figuring out how to quantum leap. Maybe she's Kanye level genius where it's like so intelligent, so genius that they are just off the fucking wall like Kanye walking around with that Michael Myers looking mess. <laughs> I I can't even handle what he's doing. But okay, maybe that's what it is. We're wrong. We're wrong. Ryan Reynolds is taking a hiatus from acting to be a dad. And let us, you know, cue the congratulations for a dad being a dad. Wow. But also more reason for people to like Ryan Reynolds. I mean, you've heard my whole thing yes, about how yes, much I love you, Ryan. Ryan Reynolds. 
I find him very attractive. So people on TikTok are making Queen... One particular guy. Queen Elizabeth death predictions. Now we've already... We know she's not well. We know she's missing engagements. We know she's in the hospital. We also know she's old, so it's pretty easy to make a death prediction about someone who's old. He listed a date it's already passed. But still, he's pretty close. And uh, we'll see what happens. Also, he had to delete his account because some girl came forward and said like, oh yeah, he raped me. So uh, there's a whole lot going there. As people say, consent the source consider the source right but i will say if she like died like tomorrow that's not that far off from october 18th i'd still say it's kind of impressive Mm, mm -hmm. did you see angelina jolie went to the eternals premiere with her two daughters shiloh and zahara did you see that they did two premieres one Zahara was wearing her, like, Academy Award dress. Oh, dress, yeah. And Shiloh, who was previously a they-them, I think, or identifying, was wearing a dress, not a suit. I mean, how gorgeous Gorgeous. I mean, definitely looks exactly like if Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt had a baby. I mean, it's like, yes. exactly. What pronouns does she go by? I'm not sure. Do- I think for a while, there was just talk about how she wanted to dress like a boy. I don't know if it was a gender right. thing or just, like, a preference thing. But And she's often come to the red carpet stuff in suits and tuxes. Right. But here she was in a dress, and all those children are beautiful. And as much as I don't like Angelina Jolie, she is beautiful. But I used to be such a big Angelina fan. I, as of late, I think she's a little wackadoo, yeah. but she is gorgeous. She is gorgeous. Okay, here's one. Fifteen of DMX's supposed children are battling for his estate. You heard that. One, five. The lesson here is don't have that many children. Do not do it. Don't do it. Why'd you have 15 kids? Wrap it up. I'm looking at you, Nick Cannon. <sighs> Use this. Use this to know that your estate will be fought over by what? how many tw- sets of twins do you have? Jesus. What is this primal need in certain men to just... Procreate? Yeah. Like, why? Why? It's called a condom, bras. Do and it. And what is the appeal of it? I don't know. Guys, I've been seeing a lot a lot, a lot of blinds about this. And that is that Jason Momoa is apparently a big time cheater. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if they have an open marriage. They just... Yes, they seem like they could have an open marriage. They just all seem too fucking cool between Lenny Kravitz, Lisa Bonet, Jason Momoa. They are all just too fucking cool for school. It's just a hot body sandwich. Right. They're all sexy and attractive and cool. Maybe Jason and Lenny are doing it. Good. Good. And on that same one, I'm going to jump ahead and say that Zoe Kravitz and Shannon Tatum are official. But I feel like this is old news. Well, they were not official official. Now they're like official official. What made it official? What was the official? They were doing PDA on the red carpet and being like, yes, we're together. That's another very sexy couple. It went beyond just riding bicycles. And now they're just full on like tongue kissing on the red carpet. So A lot of good looking all over. Just pull a DMX, guys. Right. Those are the people we need procreating and having 15 children. Sarah Jessica Parker, there's been so many stills of her costumes on the set. Yes. And one of them, I forget the exact name of it, is a traditional Indian garb. Yes. And what I have to say about that, and I guess the blinds are also saying this, is that Hopefully, it's for an Indian wedding, because if not, that is some bad cancel culture style appropriation. I feel like cultural appropriation is kind of bullshit. And I know that is not a PC thing to say, and I know that people are going to be upset with me. But if you're honoring a tradition, and this is what we were talking about with gold hoops, and we've talked about it before. If you're honoring it, if you're doing it out of admiration and love, why is it bad? No, I know. I'm just telling you what the people are saying. I know, but I want somebody to give me a real answer as one that makes sense to my brain as why that is bad. The dress is beautiful. And not only that, 
this is a huge platform for a designer who I'm sure is already huge, but I've never heard of her. She's not Gucci huge, right? Right. So why would it be bad to bring exposure to somebody outside of all the brands we already know? I don't see how this is a bad situation. Right. And then lastly, I just want to say Kim Kardashian on SNL. I still haven't seen it yet, so I can't even talk about it. Oh, I saw it. It was fine. I mean, listen, I have had to sit through, I'm a diehard SNL person, have been since I was about three years old. I have had to sit through athletes be terrible that I don't give a shit. I've had to sit through Elon Musk and his robotic self do it. It was fine. And at the, in her opening monologue, she like, she laid into everybody, which I appreciated. You know, Jason Sudeikis hosted this past weekend and he didn't mention that his wife left him for Harry Styles. So I don't know. I give her kudos for even trying it. I think it was pretty cool. What I did find funny is that Mama Chris and Chloe, of course, were there to suckle the teat of what was yes, left, of you course. know, get the leftovers. And Courtney was shopping at Spirit Halloween. And then was there the following weekend because Travis played drums for Young Thug. So Courtney didn't go for her sister, but she went for Travis playing drums. And then they took pictures making out. I'm just, I'm so sick of them. Go away. Ugh. There you go, guys. That's all the hot goss you need to know. And our hot takes. We want to hear from you. If you have a hot take, if you think we're wrong, if you loved what we had to say, let us know, please. Sweaty guy on TikTok, reach out. (laughs) Do the right thing. Are you sick or you just sweat a lot? And there's no judgment because I also sweat a lot. And so does Ashley. Right, right. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Hashtag swag bag. All right. I have a thing. I'm just looking it up. I have my swag bag, too. All right. You go first. My swag bag is Vaseline is makes a tinted lip gloss. You actually used it the other day. It comes in a little pot. Oh, yeah. Got it. Like the checkout line in Target. I used to use the pot of that Roses one that they always sell like at Anthropology. Yes. And it's okay, but I really like this one better because the color pink is really good on the lips. Mm. And it's just really good. And it's made by Vaseline. It, Vaseline lip tin in this pink color. And I will attach it in show notes. And it's just inexpensive and looks really good over a lipstick or azure lipstick it's my new like go-to the way you say vaseline is fascinating to me vaseline vaseline because i've always said vaseline okay mine is l'oreal paris l5 eight second wonder water lamellar i don't know if i said lamellar wrong jesus ashley jesus i know it is basically it's a treatment you shampoo with whatever and then in between shampooing and conditioning you put this watery substance into your hair and you kind of rub it together you don't have to leave it in very long as it says eight seconds I swear to you when you do anything to your hair other than let it air dry it is shiny and healthy and beautiful it is such an incredible product it could be filled with all kinds of carcinogens and like sulfates and terrible shit i don't know but i use it and i think it is so so good my hair is so shiny and so soft when i blow it out so consider it for yourselves well what a show guys the highs the lows the laughs the cries emotions you got it all yep we love you all have a great week and stay safe and don't have a baby no just kidding do not sleep with the ghost of dmx <laughs> whatever you do bye bye Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things 
really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Herring-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.